Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. And I came to him and I said, hey, Trace, uh, let's watch the guest book. And he goes, oh, is it, is it okay now? Am I allowed to watch the guest book? I go, you know what? I said, since we, we watched the latest Jackass together, and <laughs> if it was okay for us to watch that together, I think we could watch the guest book. And he, he looked at me right in the eye and goes, Dad, that wasn't okay that we watched that together. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Tony Kornheiser show is on now. I helped millions and millions of people watch Greg's show, Sprung. It got good reviews. Did it? Yeah. That's wonderful. Oh, that's good. Good for Greg. We're always happy when Greg does well. Played golf over the weekend with a socialite. Can't get out of the sand. Oh. I got into the sand twice. I took three shots. Alan tried to teach me how to get out of the sand. Michael, you've said you're going to teach me how to get out of the sand. I can't get out of the sand. I just can't. I might as well just pick it up and throw it. I mean, I can't play <laughs> Next in a tournament. Next time you play with Alan, he has a wide sole, um, high, high bounce wedge that Alan you Alan can try. get out. Yeah, play I, that I with mean, a square face. I can't play in a golf match. I can't because I will stay in the sand for so long that, that the, the whole, my score will be over 130. I mean, I just, I'd like to play courses where there is no sand or avoid the sand, and I'm not good enough to do that. Um, I'm not. I'll stay with I'll stay with golf, because we're not going to have a golf segment today. And there was, I don't know if it's an important tournament or not. I mean, it it was the BMW, and it, for the second year in a row, Patrick Cantlay he shows this, up. This year, he became the first person ever to repeat in one of those FedEx he tournaments. Must, he must drive an X7. Yeah, <laughs> because he's he's he was great at Caves Valley. And he was great yesterday, and in fact, all tournament long, at Wilmington Country Club in Delaware. He made the putts he had to make. He made the shots he had to make on the last hole. He was in the sand. He had a poor drive. He was up by one. It looked like he could bogey. He made a wonderful shot from the fairway sand bunker onto the green and had a no-stress par. In fact, almost jarred it yeah, well, from 30 feet. Missed seven, by two inches. You look at 17, he almost went in the, the bunker again. He bounced over, yeah. uh, set up set up that birdie there. But what's interesting is before the tournament starts, you focus on caves and the extension into this year. He was critical of the of the course and the setup. Thought and it was what too it, easy. They just thought what you're making the mistake by just making it longer and longer. Every, every year you say you've made tweaks or you've consulted with an architect and all you're doing is adding length. So Patrick Hanley has no particular personality. He's, you know, he's dull. He's actually a smart guy. When you hear him talk, he's a smart guy, but he has no personality. He wears a Goldman Sachs hat. I don't know that that's relatable to the average sports fan, a <laughs> Goldman Sachs Joe hat. Joe the plumber? No. <laughs> I just, I mean, a lot of people like to watch golf because golf can be thrilling. Sure. You make a 50-foot putt, <clears throat> you win a tournament. But a Goldman Sachs hat, to me, I, I don't know that I'd go there. The, in, the most interesting thing to me yesterday, I think it was yesterday, Colin Morikawa, did you see what happened to him? He got a double par. And 12? So he's, he's, Colin Morikawa is a great player. He's won two majors, hasn't he? He's won three majors, or two. Yeah, he's two. won two majors he already. Colin Morikawa doubles on number 11. He gets a six on a four hole. Gets a six. Couple missed putts. Yeah, four putts. He had a. He should have had a birdie, or could have had a birdie. He had a four putt, double bogey, and missed two of the putts from very close in. Then he goes to a par five, and you figure it's Colin Morikawa. He's going to respond. He's going to get back in it. One of the best iron players in the game. He got a ten. <laughs> double <laughs> he par. Put it in the water twice. Oof. 
So on two holes, he was plus seven. <laughs> on two holes. That was, right? How, how, that's the highest number he's ever gotten as a pro. A so 10. as a high school golf coach, we often get to the first tee and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to play a local rule this time. We're playing double par. I know it's not going to come into play in most of, uh, you know, most of the holes, but you might find yourself on a par three with water. We're going to try and keep things moving along. Double par on a par five. This is a player where famously he's had issues with his putter. He's tried a lot of different putter shapes, tried different putter companies. He is a tailor-made guy through the bag. They've tried to make him the right putter before that. I think he was playing a Bettinardi, and he's tried. Do you remember he went to the claw grip, and he was working yeah. with Marco, and I think that's what opened him up to win out in San Francisco for his first major. So clearly something's in his head. Yeah. Canley, by the way, who was a the best putter I've ever seen last year at the BMW, he missed three or four putts yesterday. There's a bug in here. He missed three or four putts yesterday by inches on the right. Inches. He could have had a great score. Anyway, so now they move on. Michael, explain the format. They cut, they cut in two weeks from 125 players eligible to 30 eligible for the FedEx Tour Championship. Winner take all. In, I think it's $15 million is the bonus this year. Well... Winner take all, but there's there's a gimmick to it that nobody likes. So if you remember back in the day, you used to have Steve Sands throughout the entire playoff situation going like, here's the update. If you see, you know, if you see Patrick Cantlay make this putt, he's going to move into this position. And I, it was imperfect, but it at least gave some action to it. They've been trying to solve this problem as to what, do the, what does the FedEx Cup playoff look like? How do we make it big enough so that it actually feels like a winner take all, like a wild card, a game seven situation? Yeah. So, they're going to have a staggered start. By they're all, they're all starting this tournament based on where they have finished to this date in the I FedEx don't like Cup. That. So you come back to the BMW, uh, which has been one of the longest standing tour events, and how they sort of have shaped what it means. And now, you know, as they always talk about the penultimate FedEx Cup playoff, it's a stepping stone to get to the next one. And every week, every player is just trying to get into the next level. If I get into the top 70, am I qualified for WGCs? Do I qualify for the next major? Do I get to the, am I the last person into 125? And then you saw the players who then no longer were eligible to play. Now that affected this. But if you get into one more week, how does that affect your bottom line? So you have 30 players and are they the best 30? Not necessarily the best 30, but they've had, they've all had good years. Adam Scott, Barely got in. Corey Connors, I think, barely got in. Um, there are a bunch of people who who got in, and a lot of big-name people, some of whom have left for the Saudi tour, but a lot of other big-name people had no chance. Ricky Fowler is lost in space. He's in the 120s, 130s. But it was big he got into the first week, and this is where you see the, the dangers of the wraparound season. There's been an incentive over the last few years to play as many tournaments in that fall season so that you build a cushion. You look at yeah, you get the points. first four or five months, you barely know the guys who are the FedEx Cup leaders. So now, now we have this thing where you get rewarded for the cumulative body of your work. Scotty Scheffler is the number one ranked player in this tournament. He gets 10 shots against half the field. He can't lose. Yes. 10 shots against half the field. I believe Xander Schauffele has had the best score in this tournament twice and hasn't won because he was three down or four down or six down. This is unfair. You have the best 30 in there. I believe you wipe out what happened before and you say it's a sprint to the finish line and the guy with the best score wins all of it. I don't believe in, in this bonus at all. And not only that, and Michael, I know you feel this way, the criticism of the Saudi tour 
is that it's a boat race that, you know, everybody's guaranteed money, that it doesn't matter where you finish, that, you know, who cares? This is that. You can't give Scotty Scheffler 10 strokes on half the field and five on two-thirds. of You can't Might do as well this. give out scorecards with some dots. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing says fair competition like handicapping it, the start. It's not fair. And again, you have part of this is this, the Tour Championship as is a tournament unto itself is a championship that means something. It might not be a major, but it is a big championship. But it's not just for the payout. No, I just, I'm, I'm completely against they are, this. They are changing this. It just takes time because you... You are invested with TV, with sponsorships. and No, 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 no. A good commissioner can change it on the spot. The, the NHL changes their rules overnight. They said, no, we're not going to have this anymore. Right. You know, overnight they change rules. You, you, you just change the rule. You say this is stupid. And it is. It's stupid. As am I. Uh, we'll take a break. Is Wilbon joining us from London? Not London, from Ireland. From Ireland, yeah. Unless he, he fell asleep. Well, he, he, he did check in. He, he texted me when he landed, you know, at like 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever. Um, he was and just he, going to sleep for a little while. He said he was going to put his head down. But uh, I, I, I feel confident about this. I'm betting the under on Wilbon. <laughs> no House of the Dragon update from you? Did you stay up for it? Oh, yeah. Do you want to get into that? No, what? The new Game of Thrones uh, spinoff? I never watched Game of Thrones. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Now you can finally learn about the, the sort of the prophecy that this will is lead the pre- to Game of Thrones. I don't... This, to me, is like you're hobbits. Not, not I don't care about Targaryen. hobbits. The world of this Westeros. This is not a, a hard hobbit to break for me. I just don't want to watch it. it Michael, you might know this. Wasn't, isn't it loosely based on the 100 Years' War or something like that? Isn't sort of like the framework of it? Oh, uh, sure. I mean, it, the prequel right now is based on every sort of, how do you, how do you define a, you know, a line of succession if you don't have that male heir? Right now, it's looking more like succession, which yes. I, I hope comes back for season four than, That's a big than even show. Game of Thrones. That's a great show. All right, we'll take a break. Wilbon, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, Five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes from Alex Mariol, Santa Fe, New Mexico says, thanks for reading my email. I'm a big fan of you and Mr. Wilbon. I listen to you every day on the ESPN app. I'm an original blues rock artist from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I've been making original music since I graduated high school in Holo 1999. In retrospect, I might have been a decent athlete and would have pursued athletics had it not been for my unfortunate love of music, coffee, and cigarettes, but we'll focus on the music. I've had the honor of opening for some legendary artists, including Etta James, Bo Diddley, Leon Russell, and Bonnie Raitt, to name a few. Wow. My only regret is I never got to see her perform for Chuck Berry. He gives us two songs, Alex Mariol does, and this is called Hey Now Baby, and it plays in Michael Wilbon, and Wilbon is further away on this show than he has ever been on this show. He's in Ireland. How was the trip? How, where did you go from? How was the trip? Mike, can you hear us? I can't. I can't hear you. I can hear the music loud and clear, but now I don't hear Tony. You don't hear me at all? Now I hear you. Now okay, hear good. You. Well, this is this is what happens when you have a new system, and so I'll start again, and okay. I'll just say you're in Ireland. How was the trip itself? Tony, the trip was uneventful, which is, as you know, is all you can ask for. Right. Um, about a six-hour and twenty-minute flight. 
The flight is only about 20 minutes longer than New York to L.A. Oh. Um, so I flew into, I thought I was flying into Shannon Airport. Right. Which is about 30 minutes from Dare Manor. And for the people who play golf and watch golf, Dare Manor is going to be, they're going to go, oh, wait a minute, Dare Manor, I've heard of that. Yeah, because that, that, that beautiful pro-am a few weeks ago the Tiger was in was here at Dare Manor. And I thought it was about Shannon Airport was 30 minutes from Dare Manor. Well, Shannon Airport is 30 minutes from Dare Manor, but I flew into Dublin Airport. Oh. Which I didn't even know there were two airports. Right. So flying into Dublin Airport in relation to Dare Manor is like flying into Wilmington, Delaware in relation to Washington, D.C. Okay, okay. So the two-and-a-half-hour two drive, but I had just a wonderful driver who explained to me everything about, we talked about, you know, my first trip to Ireland, God knows I've been to Great Britain, you know, I've been to London a million times, I've been to Scotland, but I've never been to Ireland. And so we talked about just everything, um, including driving through uh, the ancestral town of the Obama family, uh, Obama's grandmother or great-grandmother. Oh, is that right? Here in Ireland, we drove, drove right through that town, and Obama has been here. Barack Obama had been to visit. Um, and so it's just, you know, a fascinating two, two, two and a half hours uh, coming here this morning, landed, you know, took off from Dulles at 5 o'clock, landed here at 5 o'clock in the morning. So a six-hour flight, and uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was terrific. Aer Lingus. Yeah, so I will tell, I'll tell this one story. Um, I went to cover Wimbledon and the British Open one year. And on the way back, it was, I don't know, mid to late July, late July. And on the plane back to Dulles, the pilot says the following thing. He goes, um, it's 98 degrees in Washington, D.C. And I had just spent a month where it never got over 70 what what is the weather there and what kind of clothing have you brought which you would never be wearing in Washington today? Well, first of all, you remember Europe just had the the, the, the biggest heat wave in the history of Europe. Yes, but that was a month ago. I mean, that, right? Yeah, it was a month ago, but but the remnants are still as far as I'm concerned. So the temperature is supposed to top out at about seventy okay. every day. Okay. So it's great as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's, you know, 70 is fine. Um, there was, you know, some rain this morning when I landed, but it's beautiful out now. And, uh, you know, it's going to be in the 60s. Um, and there's golf a couple of days and there's other stuff. And there's a football game uh, with Nebraska and Northwestern on Saturday, which temperature is supposed to be about 69 or 70. So, you know, you sort of go dressed um, for about a month later. In Chicago, you go dress okay. for October in Chicago as opposed to, um, you know, the end of August in Chicago. But you know, that's I, I was I'm looking I've been looking forward to the temperature when I saw what the forecast was going to be. Have you practiced golf? Because you're going to play. No, no, no. I just got here. No, 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 no. I mean, last week did you practice? Did you? Did you? Oh yeah, yeah, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yes. I was at the Range of Columbia. Right. I'm going to go practice today too, uh, here at Deer Manor, which is just Tony. How pretty. I tell you, beautiful. The only place I've been in my life for golf that's more beautiful than this is Augusta. That's it. Wow. Wow. They, aren't they going to hold the Ryder Cup there pretty soon at Adair Manor? I think, I think so. 
I yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it, in the manner where I am also staying, not just playing here, staying here. Right. The manor itself built in 1823, I think. And it was built for a family. You know, it, and, and there are things like, you know, 12 chimneys for the 12 months of the year. And, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's stunning. It's stunning. It's, it, it, it may be the most beautiful place I've ever stayed in the world. And I've stayed in some pretty amazing places in resorts around the world because that's, this, this is what I do. I like to get out of D.C. in the summer. And when I say get out of D.C., that means get out of the mid-Atlantic. I don't want 88 degrees and 92% humidity. That's not, that's not enjoyable for me. And so I, in the summer, you know, four years ago, Tony, I went to Russia. I went to Moscow, so, which in some ways is a lot like D.C. Um, climatically. Um, but I, this is what I do. And, and Europe is often the destination, and this is by myself because Matthew starts Gonzaga High School Thursday, so he couldn't be away. This is by myself. I'm looking forward to the golf uh, here in Valley Bunyan and the football game and interacting with, uh, you know, my, my, my brothers and sisters of uh, Purple. So I understand, you know, that I'm sure it's a beautiful, beautiful place, and I'm sure the accommodations are great, and you're going to be treated like royalty. What I guess I yes. don't understand is, and I'm glad for you because it's Northwestern. What I don't, how did Northwestern get involved in having a game in Ireland against Nebraska? What is the genesis now, of that? Tony, you know this is the marketing people. You know what the answer to this is as they try to grow the game. Now, I, would, I don't know the specific answer to your question, which I'll know later today. Right. Everybody's coming in. Everybody's flying in now, right now. And now I'll find that out because I'll sit with, you know, our athletic director and, um, and, and president and Big Ten folks, and we'll, we'll, I'll find out how this was pieced together. But I will tell you this. So I'm in the car being driven, and I say, the, the guy driving me, just a, a wonderful guy, who has played, who is, you know, hurling is the, na- is the national, is the sport here. Fanatic, fanatic level sport. It, 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 every bit that soccer is in England or, you know, I mean, right. it, that's the sport here. And people play it starting at six years old. And they play it for their hometowns and their counties. And then they play it for their region. And then they play it for country. And this is what they do. And so soccer is not national here. Soccer is number two. But in talking to him, I said, what do you care about? What about college football? And he explained to me that in the bars here, in the pubs, they have ESPN. And people have taken a liking to college football. Really? They don't know anything about pro football. And when I say don't know anything about pro football, I said to him, how many pro football players? This guy, first of all, this guy worked in Arizona for a while, building, uh, dealing with a golf course 25 years ago. This is a traveled man. And I said, what do you know about pro football in America? And he says, I can name you one player Tom Brady. in America. Tom in Brady. Football. Tom Brady. Yeah, everybody knows Tom Brady. And I said, nobody else. And he goes, okay, if you asked me this four years ago, I could have said Peyton. Right. He said, that's it. And I said, so you don't know, and I, you know, fill in the blind, you know, Aaron Donald. And he's like, what? Looking at me in the rearview mirror. What? Who? And 
I said, but yet you're telling me college football. He said, college football is on. We have people are now gradually going crazy over it. And I don't know where this is going to wind up. Don't know what's going to happen. But yes. And he said, we have adopted teams. I said, who's your team? He said, University of Tennessee. I go, what? That's crazy. I said, not Notre Dame. Right. And he said, well, Notre Dame's is everybody's. Yes, because, well, come on, I mean, this is Ireland. Right. But, you know, we're going to see what happens with, with Nebraska, Northwestern. He said, we watch it. We watch it. People love it. But we don't know. We have no idea. With NFL, we have no idea. What that so I would and imagine. I said, you know who LeBron James is and Kevin right. Durant. I go, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I would imagine, but maybe I'm wrong, but I would imagine that a Chicago Irish Catholic kid like Pat Fitzgerald going over to yes. Ireland, I would imagine he's yes. going to be a big star for a week, or am I wrong? Yes, I think, well, Tony, this is why you schedule these games. Because you, you look, football, we know football's trying to expand its footprint. And it has no footprint outside of the shores of the United States no, of America. None. It just doesn't. None. It's marketing people will, will lie and give you a happy answer. And no, say, well, it yeah, doesn't happen. People know us. No, they don't. They don't. They don't know them. Passage, Chicago has as many Irish people, as many as Boston and New York, or close. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I thought Boston would be yeah, number one. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Chicago, well, Chicago's a much bigger place than Boston. Right, that's right. So Chicago, I went to an Irish Catholic high school. Right. That's the, and I was explaining that to, to my driver. Um, and we were talking about the nature of that. And Pat Fitzgerald, I told him everybody I went to school with was Leahy and Fitzpatrick and Fitzgerald and Burke. So everybody in Chicago, where I went, and, and that, that's, that's just one Catholic high school. So, yes, so Pat Fitzgerald has a chance to much more so than I mean, I'm sure there are people in Nebraska, too, Midwestern city. It's not like, you know, the Irish population somehow didn't find Nebraska, but, but not like Chicago. Yeah. So, look, Tony, they're like, there's like four nonstops a day from Chicago here, and they haven't even restored the ones to Shannon yet. Uh, is, is, but Chicago's a massive, massive yeah. – I'm sorry. They don't turn the river green in Boston and New York, do they, on St. Patty's Day? Where does um. that happen? <laughs> Yeah, I know they do it in Chicago. I thought they did in Boston, but I could be wrong. Are you is is Northwestern? So. Are you any good, by the way? Are you any good? Don't know, Tony. Don't know. Right. You know, we have we, look. We have to be up and down. When I mean, we're not. You know, and we had as, we, as you know, two out of three years we we played in the Big Ten championship game, and then we went away last year. And so, you know, these surveys. You know, you know, I hate recruiting talk. I just don't indulge in it. But I listened to it when I started seeing things on ESPN that said Northwestern had the third-rated recruiting class in the Big Ten. I'm like, what? That's great. If that's and then true. I saw things that said we had the 13th, the number 13 recruiting class in the country. Hmm. That's a big And again, deal. I'm like, what? And then I was at Columbia and ran into one of our members, and I won't get into the crazy details of it, but who was telling me about a kid – from Baltimore, who's like one of the fabulous athletes, recruits in America, who said no to Penn State and others, and said, uh, "Yeah, I'm going to Northwestern." And he and and is you know there now, and and so do I think that's going to show up immediately? Do I think no. our kids 
right. are going to step on the field and be great as freshmen? No, I don't. Okay. I think our year becomes next year. So, but you know, I mean, what they won't schedule you to play again next week, right? They'll give you a two-week break. When's your next? We game? play. We play Duke on the tenth of September. Okay, I that's enough time, right? That's enough time. So we get we get one we get one week. But again, Tony, a six-hour flight. Everybody's not going to have a bye week after going to California. No, right? I mean, Rutgers to <clears throat> right. Rutgers to UCLA is the same flight as I just took from Washington to yeah. No, you're to, right about that. To Dublin. You're right about that. So, I'll you let know, you go. I don't think that's, you know. I'll let you go. Just one last question. What are your thoughts about the Big Ten leaving ESPN? Um, Tony, the Big Ten on ESPN helped give a massive boost to my alma mater. Because Northwestern, and Mark Shapiro explained this to me years ago when he had the initial responsibility for programming. The guy who created, of course, PTI. That's right. Mark Shapiro, whose dad went to Northwestern. Mark went to Iowa, but his dad went to Northwestern. Northwestern had games on right up through last December at 11 o'clock, which sounds crazy. It's breakfast at not Wimbledon, but ever. And those games drew, got us national attention. And we were on. I mean, you can say what you want about who people are going to watch, but you know what? You know, people are going to watch what's on. That's right. And these crazy people in purple were on at 11 o'clock Eastern. Sorry, 11 o'clock Central, 12 o'clock Eastern. For years, years. Now, what will that mean? What we, we won't be on. There's a noon game, but that's a national game, and that's going to be a whole lot of Ohio State and Michigan. You bet. You bet. Yeah, and and I don't know what that will mean for us. Uh, look, nobody's going to complain about getting. Let me let me make sure people hear me say this. Money, one hundred million dollars a year. Yeah, that's just from football, Tony. That's just from that contract. That's not that's not all the TV money. So, I mean, you know, I don't know what it means I, I, for for my school that had like. We were engaged, man. I know. Look, there are people. We would. I would get to my the, the NBA. You know, starts in November, and I get to games. I'm in the studio, and sometimes they're with Magic, and I'm there. And people would say, and Jalen, and, and those are Big Ten guys, of course. And they go, "You guys are on at eleven, right? You're on. We're on at, you're on at noon. You're on at noon, right?" I, I mean, these are Michigan and Michigan State guys. They know what time Northwestern's on. Barkley, Charles would text me. And say, who you guys got? You're on that early game, right? And this was a thing for a lot of years, 20 years. And, and a lot lately, and some of those years now, we were good. And uh, we won 10 games like, I don't know, three times in five years or four times in six years, something like that. So, so you know, I... We'll see. I, I mean, yeah. I can't... You know, you, what is it, what's the phrase? Don't look a gift horse in the mouth that somebody's handing you, writing your school a check. For a yeah. hundred million dollars. I understand. You know what the ACC schools are getting? No. I don't know the exact number tone, but I think the number's in the 40s. Yeah, it's not a hundred. It's not a hundred. It ain't a hundred. And, and the SEC ain't a hundred. The Big Ten is a big deal. I don't know if it's, you never know if it's wise. I mean, what we both know is that Maryland right. took the money and basically destroyed their athletic program. They're basically nothing now. And they well, took the money. Well, Tony, the question becomes for them, 
can they now, with these riches, remember, it ain't $100 million once. It's not one payout. No, it's every year. It's yearly. It's every year. So can, what, what kinds of things can you do with that kind of revenue stream every year? I don't know. It's it just it and feels so I, geographically I, I foreign. I, I don't either. Like, I, I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't have answers to it, but it's interesting. Though. All right. Have a wonderful time. We'll talk to you next week. Have a wonderful time. All right, Tom. Sounds good. Thank Michael you. Wilbon, boys and girls, will take a break. Tim Kirkjian will join us when we return. We need to talk about the Yankees. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, we have Alex Mariol of Santa Fe, New Mexico. This comes from his album, In the Meantime. This is a song called Telluride. Telluride, I believe, is a city in Colorado, if I'm not mistaken. It is indeed. It's also a car now. I think Kia makes a Telluride. Really? It's yeah. a lovely town. I've been there. Jim Hughes yeah. about the Telluride. Did you, did you work there in a bookstore? No, that, that was Aspen. Aspen. That right? was Aspen. Aren't they the same? Yeah, basically. Just a great little ski town. Just wonderful. Alex Mariol sends this music in, and Michael, if people like Alex want to send in their original music, and we're happy to have it, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. And this music plays in Tim Kirkchin, and yesterday we made this command decision. And I know the Yankees won yesterday. I understand that. But they hadn't won in a long time. They had the worst record in the major leagues. They had a worse record than the Nats in August. The Nats stink. The Yankees were worse. And so the overriding question, Tim, and I know if you sit down with any of your baseball guys, is what has happened to the Yankees? Well, they've totally collapsed for the moment, Tony. So they're, they're the first team ever to play 700 baseball for the first 60 games of the season and then play sub-500 baseball for the next 60 games. No team has ever been that good in the first 60, and then that bad in the next 60 in the history of baseball. It's stunning what has happened to them. They have stopped hitting Tony until yesterday when they scored four runs. They had scored 21 runs in their previous 11 games. It's terrible. It's amazing. Aaron Judge is a great, great player. He just recently had a two for 21, and he's still not out of it. He's gone nine straight games without a homer. And the whole team has essentially stopped hitting at the same time. And even though they pitched fairly well, they haven't pitched well enough either. So it's been a total collapse, and I did not see this coming. I don't think anyone did. So we were on the PTI show when we used to do that show. We've been off for two weeks, and that's great. We got a summer break because of the Little League World Series. But when we used to do the show, every single time we talked about the Yankees, there was the comparison out there. The pace was out there to the 27 Yankees. I'm not old enough to remember the 27 Yankees, but I am old enough to remember the 67 Yankees before George Steinbrenner bought the team, when they stunk. I mean, it's just, it is a remarkable elevator up and down this year. It's just remarkable, right? Yeah, again, we've never seen anything quite like this. And I got asked a hundred times, is this the best Yankee team ever? Well, first off, the 39 Yankees outscored their opponents by 411 runs. That's by far the greatest run differential in Major League history. I get asked all the time, is this better than the 98 team? Well, 98 team was in the middle of a dynasty. This team was never as good as the 98 team, but it was spectacularly good 
for 60 games, and then it all fell apart. Tony, this is the beauty of baseball as we know, is that the light goes on, the light goes off, players get really good, players get really bad, and it happens overnight, and you're never quite sure why. Well, the only thing that saves it is 162. You almost always have a chance to reverse your fortune where it is now. You mentioned the 98 team. That Derek Jeter thing is really good. It's really good. Have you watched it? It's really good. I haven't watched all of it. I've watched most of it, and I think it's really good, too. And I'm, <laughs> I think people are comparing it to the Michael Jordan it's one. Better. Which it's better. It's better. Uh, I think they want more fireworks. Well, you're, you're not going to get no, that it's from better. Derek Jeter. But he's been much more honest in this. I'm not to say he was never not honest, but he's much more engaging and willing to, to speak with this. And I think... I think it's been really, really good. He's a fuller person in a lot of ways than Jordan is. Jordan is always sort of trying to maintain his position. And Jeter, I, I, just, I just think it's better. That's just me. I'll move off that, though. Aaron Boone's a pal of yours, right? Didn't you work together at ESPN? Yeah, for five years. I traveled with him. I hung out with him. Uh, he was one of my favorite favorite people I've ever worked with at ESPN. He is so funny. He is so playful. He knows he knows the uniform number of like most players who've ever played in the major leagues. I mean, those are the kind of stupid things right. that I know, but he knows them also. He can also, Tony, look at any baseball card and tell you in which stadium the, the picture was taken. You know, there's a little tell. Look at look at the blue seats. This is whatever. This is uh, Chicago. It's amazing the little things that he knows. He can imitate anybody, it, not just a batting stance, but their voice. He, when he does Moses Malone at the free throw line, oh, my gosh, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. So he's a very fun, playful guy. He just hasn't been very fun and playful here lately. His job's on the line, is it not? Um, I would say no. Okay. just re-signed him to a new deal. Um, He just won his 400th game the other day, and the only manager in history to get to 400 victories with a higher winning percentage than Aaron Boone is Earl Weaver. And I think we all know how great those Orioles teams were, and we all know that Earl Weaver is a top, three to five manager, at least in my mind, of all time. So I think it's going to be hard to replace Aaron Boone. I don't think okay. his job is on the line. But he gets pounded all the time from Yankee fans who can't understand why they don't win every game. Well, I mean, I think he gets a great benefit in that Hal Steinbrenner, if he's the one who's running it now, is not George Steinbrenner. You know, because George Steinbrenner, as you see in the Derek Jeter series, is all over the place and a lunatic all the time. Um, but Boone got mad. You don't usually see this. The clip that they show to him smashing the microphone, uh, he, you know, he got, he got it back together in a very short amount of time, but he's got mad. When you saw that, this is a guy you know well and obviously like a lot. Did you think in character or out of character? I thought certainly out of character. He's done an amazingly good job at staying stoic about things when things are good and things are bad with the Yankees. He's going to defend his guys to the end, which is one reason he gets criticized. But yes, that was very much out of character. But I will tell you, Tony, um, 
I was on the air one night doing a game from the booth, and a third baseman had a difficult play, and I said on the air, that's a tough play, that in-between hop for the third baseman. And Booney sent me a text. He was watching the game at home. He sent me a text like one second later. That's not a difficult play. He turned it into a difficult play. So he does have that side to him that if you push him in the wrong direction, he's going to react. And he's just been pushed way too many times here lately. I mentioned this earlier. There's 40 games left. The entire football season is 17 games. 40 games is an eternity. It's half the basketball and hockey seasons. And there's 40 left. There's no reason the Yankees can't win 32 out of 40 like they did at the start. Right? I mean, is that that the saving grace of baseball? There's always 40 left. Yes, absolutely. The Yankees can get red hot again. Now, they're, they're down two relievers who really, really helped them early in the season. Michael King and Chad Green, they will not be back. Jordan Montgomery, who they traded, I'm still not sure about that one, mm-hmm. why they sent him to St. Louis. So I don't think they're the same team that you know played 720 baseball for the first 60 games. But yes, they are still capable of running off a 32-8 and eight and entering October as the clear team to beat in the American League. However, the Astros are really good right now, and I think Houston's going to get to October as the best team in the American League. But the Yankees, yes, there's a lot there. They've got to get Stanton back. They've got to get some people healthy. Judge has got to start swinging it again. But, yes, they're certainly capable because other than Houston, I, I don't see any really, really good teams in the American League. The other side has the good teams, Tim. I was saying to my son this morning, the Dodgers have three MVPs that they put out there every day, Freeman, Bellinger, and Betts, every day, three MVPs. The Dodgers are, I can't, even when the Yankees were great, I thought to myself, the Dodgers are better. Am I wrong? No, you're right. The Dodgers are 16-3 and three in August. The Dodgers have an elite defense, the best pitching in the league by a mile ERA-wise and they lead the league in runs scored. So you got the Dodgers. You have the Braves, who've won 11 out and of the 13. Mets. Yeah. And they're starting to look like the Braves that won the World Series last year. They are really good. And the Mets have 79 wins. They won 77 games last year. we got six weeks to go, and they've got more wins than they had all last year. And with DeGrom and Scherzer and Edwin Diaz at the end of the game, yeah. The Mets are a nightmare for teams. So we have the Mets, Braves, and Dodgers in the National League. That will be an amazing National League playoffs. And whoever wins the National League pennant is going to be the favorite to win the World Series. I'll get you out on this um, because I can't spend my life without talking about the Nats and how terrible they are and what has happened to them. And this is a sort of a Nats story. Um, What do you make of what it does to the relationship between Juan Soto and San Diego that Fernando Tatis Jr. got caught cheating and got popped for 80 games. Well, it it sure changes the dynamic. We all thought with Tatis Jr. coming back, and now they're going to hit Tatis, Soto, Machado, and Josh Bell, one through four every day, that they would be the fourth really dangerous team in the National League going into October. And that has changed because there is no Tatis 
and it is I think it has affected the Padres who have not played particularly well. So yes, they they went and gave up a, a huge amount to get Soto, yes. thinking this is what we're going to have for the next three Octobers, and maybe they're only going to have it for the next two, or maybe not even this October for all we know. So I think it's changed the whole dynamic, and I think it's it's changed even Juan Soto to some degree. By the way, he didn't get on base yesterday for the first time in 25 games. So that was his that tied for his longest streak as a baseball player 25 straight games reaching base the record tony by the way is 85 games wow. in a row 85 by ted 85 by ted williams so let's let's just be a little bit careful even though nobody loves Juan Soto more than I do. he's one of the great young hitters i've ever seen but to say he's ted williams not quite yet tim thanks so much we'll talk soon i appreciate it okay tony see you tim kirkchin boys and girls he always ends the same way. Okay, Tony, see ya. He's always so happy. Makes me happy, too. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. They've won it all before. Less than three years ago. The Nats, who stink beyond words. They're worse than the A's now. <laughs> and they traded Soto. I watch, but now I watch half-heartedly. They're the worst team in baseball. Don't belong in the league. They're a really terrible team. I wish they weren't awful. But they're so f***ing awful. <laughs> My God, they stink. They stink. They stink. team is terrible. They don't there. They're the worst team in baseball. Less than three calendar years ago, they won the World Series. That's Kirsten Onstad. That is tremendous. Isn't that great? That's just tremendous. It's just great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, do you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda bagels. We love them. You will as well. Got the bagel sandwiches today. That's always a great day for us. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say I woke last night to the sound of thunder. How far off I sat and wondered. Started humming a song from 1962. Ain't it funny how the night moves? When you just don't seem to have as much to lose, strange how the night moves. And the line that's left out is with August moving in. It's Bob Seger. Fantastic song. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Tim Kirkchin. Thanks to our sponsors, Freshly Sunday and Solo Stove. We're on summer schedule. We'll be off for a little while. Come back at the end of the week. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you got the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. How was your dinner last night? My dinner last night was great. Sean, who was here brought ravioli. What is the name of the ravioli that you brought? Pastosa ravioli. It's just fantastic. We had the lobster ravioli last night with a marinara sauce. It was... Describe the preparation. What is the preparation? How'd you prepare the ravioli? Carol did it. Carol, she took it out of the box. I mean, it was in a box. (laughs) She heated up some water. When it began to float on the top, we knew it was done. You had the marinara sauce. We didn't make the ravioli. Sean brought the ravioli. That's why I asked about the preparation, not the making of the ravioli. Oh, it was was really good. Had a salad with it. I was really happy. 
It's really great food. Thank you to Sean. From Jason Smorrell, this is long. We're going to deal with this today. Minor league teams are known for doing some pretty stupid promotions. This might be the dumbest one yet. We at the Syracuse Mets were, parenthetically, I add, I have thrown out a pitch when they were the Sky Chiefs. I've thrown out a pitch. We are the Syracuse, we at the Syracuse Mets are having a lechiserie night on Wednesday, September 7th at historic NBT Bank Stadium in Syracuse, New York, right up the road from your beloved Binghamton Rumble Ponies. How great is that? It's the promotion fans never knew they wanted. How did we come up with this brilliant yet about to be a disaster of a promotion? <laughs> Our team friend and fellow little Jake Hafner said to me one day, you should have a Tony Kornheiser night and call it, call it lechiserie day, he said. Get rid of this. So we went back and forth with fun ideas we could do from the show, like have kids eat gummy bears in an on-field game, Albany's, of course, or for trivia questions of how many minutes it takes to boil an egg, or ask how many kitchen outlets at our stadium. 1,234. Well, that's pretty good. We even planned to have it against the Rochester Red Wings, <laughs> as at the time there was still a chance that Wander Suero or Austin Voth might be sent down to pitch and make the night perfect, as we would win late after a barrage of hits against some of your beloved Nats players. Jake said he has had an email read on the air in the past, and if memory serves, he said he was a caller back in the day. He said he would write an email using all the appropriate buzz phrases the little world would know of our great promotion, Little World. Well, I've been listening, and either you think this idea stinks, it does, and would get around to his email sometime in 2023, or he is a slacker and never sent it. He had visions of all the littles descending on our stadium for La Cheeserie Day. He thought Dan Byrne would come and play a few tunes for the fans. He thought Saliza would come for a first pitch, and Syracuse Orange fans could boo his Georgetown-loving persona, <laughs> as apparently the responsible one in the bunch I am writing instead. La Cheeserie Night has been on our pro promotional schedule since March, and not one person has asked about it, so it's working out perfectly. <laughs> Here is the obligatory invitation for you to decline, and of course it comes with a stay at our wonderful team hotel, an invitation to play at Green Lake State Park Golf Club, Robert Trent Jones' first or second course, maybe his third, because I think his first was Cornell and his second, his first was, was Colgate and his second was Cornell maybe, and a flurry of things you're not interested in like first pitches and seeing people. Assuming these are all out, how about this? We will promote this in no other location other than your show. A speakeasy promotion, if you will. If any little says La Cheeserie at the ticket window on September 7th, they will receive a free 100-level ticket, an $18 value, and be witness to a crowd wondering why we are eating gummy bears <laughs> and asking people what the name of their high school yearbook was. Of course, we would love to have you, Michael, Bootsy, and the Hammer, as well as the whole gang, and we would roll out the red carpet for you all. Minor League Baseball is the best family fun on the planet, and we will let Bootsy and the Hammer run the bases after the game. The captain is too young for that. If nothing else, Jake and I will have fun, and that, quite frankly, is one of the reasons I love minor league baseball. We get to do dumb stuff. Sometimes it works. With my luck, this will be read on September 8th, making it even more perfect. Thanks for all of the laughs. Jason Smorrell, the general manager of the Syracuse Mets. That's as great an email as we have ever had. It's just great. Isn't that fantastic? And if anybody is in upstate New York in the Syracuse area, they should go and they should just whisper La Cheeserie and get a free ticket. It's fantastic. Yes. And we have listeners. That makes me so happy. 
Makes me so happy. Should I read a couple more or are we out of time? No, sure. Read a couple Let's more. read a couple more. Yeah. We should save that. Yeah. Find, no. Let's contact Jason and find Absolutely. out how the promotion is going. Nobody seems, <laughs> nobody seems to care. Just send the grandkids in your place. <laughs> From Mike McEnany in Dunkirk, Maryland, not France. I was watching CNN today and NATO headquarters was hosting a ceremony welcoming Sweden and Finland into the alliance when at the last minute they both decided to join the Big Ten instead. <laughs> You seen the NATO channel? It's crap compared to the Big Ten Network. I can't wait to proudly wear my Finland sweatshirt to breakfast on a crisp October Saturday in Chicago. That's a great, it's just such a great, smart email. Bill Pitcher. I have two more I want to read, okay? This is Bill Pitcher, our official organist, right? That's right. I would like to invite you to come play golf at, no, I can't make that kind of offer. I'm in southern Lancaster County. We have some nice courses, but no, what's really nice are farms. I run food service at Cherry Crest Adventure Farm near Strasburg. What's an adventure farm? Think about a farmer building an amusement park out of things laying around the barn, then add 20 acres. <laughs> the tractor pull means you pull the tractor. You can shoot apples out of cannons. An old combine was reimagined into a child's slide. We don't provide carts, but Bootsy and the Hammer will love to help you navigate one of our pedal cart tracks. There's even one their size. We don't have two bathrobes. But our petting zoo's two miniature highland calves, some of the first of their breed on the East Coast, are even fuzzier. It's not the palm, but we'll set you up with some of our pulled pork, an ear of roasted sweet corn, and some of our freshly squeezed lemonade. Or come in for our come in the fall for our gourmet grilled grilled che- our gourmet grilled cheese sandwiches. Yes, made with mayo. And did I mention all the corn? There's a five-acre corn maze. You can pick your own popcorn. There's a building whose entire floor is a foot of corn kernels, like a sandbox. Are you listening, Toy Hall of Fame? Come be my guest and tell Michael from Bill Pitcher. Michael, you, that sounds, sounds like, like a, a cool day, day trip. trip. Yes. That just sounds like a wonderful day trip for you and the Strasburg, kids. Strasburg, away to it's 75. How far, yeah, how far is that? Where is that in Pennsylvania? Strasburg. Look it up. Yes. It's not Steven Strasburg. And one more from Steve Schneider in Henderson, Nevada. I've been listening to your show in its many forms since the ESPN radio, day, radio days, and I finally have had my David Aldridge moment. It all started about a year ago when I was with my daughter Nancy and our fiancé Clint. We were discussing wedding plans when Clint began to describe a friend of his named Dan Byrne, who plays guitar and writes and sings his own songs. And I said, yeah, I know that guy is on the Tony Kornheiser show. Fast forward to April 22nd this year, we are at the rehearsal dinner for the big wedding. Clint walks up to me with his friend Dan in tow, and I greet him with a hearty la cheeserie. We had a short conversation in which I learned that Dan and Clint know each other from when they both lived in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. A few minutes later, Dan is serenading the happy couple with the Clinton-Nancy song. Clinton-Nancy, Nancy and Clint, like cognac and an after-dinner mint. <laughs> Dan came to the wedding and we spoke a little more and I tried to explain to the woman to whom I'm related by marriage and my masculine child the importance of this experience to no avail. Dan was really friendly and I enjoyed meeting him. A few days ago, Clint sent me the attached picture of Dan and Roger Daltrey. How cool is that? Thanks for the years of smart and funny commentary. These are some of the best emails we've ever had. That's from Steve Schneider in Henderson, Nevada. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. And the great thing is, it's right in front of us. It's right here. And we can fix it.
Inside, drive till you can't know. 